Praise God. The worship time was awesome. Amen. And we just want to thank God for people who write inspired songs. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we just want to thank you for this time in your presence. We pray that, Lord Jesus, as we hear from you, you prepare our hearts in the name of Jesus. Let your word have its perfect place in our hearts. We pray that, Lord Jesus, may we live here, Lord Jesus, not the same. I pray in the name of Jesus, bringing myself under your authority and under your power. And I pray that, Lord Jesus, you minister and speak through me in the name of Jesus. I come against any weakness in the name of Jesus. Strengthen your servant in the name of Jesus to be able to deliver your word in the name of Jesus the way you deem fit. Thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to share with you a short message I have entitled, Beautiful Indeed. Amen. In Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10, this is what the word of God says. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they have laid daily at the gates of the temple, which is called Beautiful. Amen. To ask alms from those who enter the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately the feet and ankles, bones received strength. So he, limping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, limping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they saw that it was he who sat begging arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen. I believe this particular scripture, we've heard messages upon messages from this particular piece that I just read, but God inspired me in a particular direction as I read through it, and I just want to share what God laid on my heart with you. Amen. Anyone who wants to build a gate has a few things in mind. Amen. I believe now if you are building a house or if you own a house and you are thinking of getting a gate for the house, First, you are thinking of security. The beauty aspect of the gate doesn't really matter to you, okay? And so you are thinking of how you'll be safe in your home or in your house with a gate that is fixed on your door or in your house. The dictionary defines beauty as delighting to the senses or intellectual or emotional admiration or aesthetically pleasing. Amen. But in this particular piece that I just read to you, we realize that this lame man, the Bible says, was carried to this very place called the beautiful gate. The temple at that time had a lot of gates. Okay. But why did this man decided that or his friends and colleagues decided that we carry him to the beautiful gate. Hello. The word beautiful in that particular passage means horaios in Greek, which means belonging to the right hour or season. Timely. Amen. So it wasn't the physical appearance of the gate that made the gate beautiful. It was the function of the place 
and the promptness of the place that gave its name beautiful. Hello. So I believe the people who were entering that gate were not using the Ghanaian time. When a Ghanaian is giving you a time, he'll tell you our service begins 10, 10 30, 11. 10 30 to 11. Amen. But the people who assessed the beautiful gate were prompt. And the Bible says this guy was carried to the place at, at a time that is exact. Because if he doesn't go there at that time, he will miss out on getting what he's supposed to get for the day. So he has disciplined himself to be prompt, to be on time. He realized, I believe he also realized that all the people who were disciplined were using the beautiful gate. People will come late and sneak and use the dang gate. You know, they also have a gate called the dang gate. That is where the sacrifices and the things that happens in the temple, they access those things out of the temple, the dang gate. I'm sure people will be using the dang gate into the temple because they are, they are late. Amen. So when we are building gates, like I said earlier, we do that with the mindset of security first. Amen. And then the other things follow. So this particular place was a place of promptness or urgency. It was a place of function and activity and not just appearance. Amen. And we can see in the passage that I just read that this man reported at that time, at that particular place, at the exact time. Because if he doesn't do that, he'll go hungry. So that tells us that Anytime, I believe you've heard this particular passage or this particular story over and over again, but you've not actually given it the signs that I've, I'm actually sharing with you. It's a place of exactness. If this man or this lame man, I'm sure, had delayed a little bit on that day, he would have missed his miracle and he would have missed his salvation. Hello? And God wants us to also apply that same sense of agency in reaching out to people who haven't come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ yet. Oftentimes, we are in the house of God and we feel so comfortable that even reaching out becomes something that, I mean, we give all kinds of excuses for not being able to reach out. Hello, am I talking to someone? So what we get to know in this particular passage is that time is of the essence when we have to receive from the Lord or when we have to actually reach out. As Christians, the time in which we find ourselves in now is critical. It's very critical. And so what are we doing, you and I, what are we doing to be able to make sure that we reach out to the people who haven't come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ yet? And so time is of the essence for us as Christians. And we have to know that. How many people are we reaching out to? In our workplaces, I mean, they tell you don't share the word of God in our corporate spaces and all that. I mean, they've given us boundaries that you don't say prayers. Because when you say prayers, it will offend someone. But we need to step out of that zone, of that space, and begin being weird. Hello? Because our calling, the Bible says that Christ will actually cause people to stumble. Okay? The word of God, it's sharp. The Bible says that when you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, families will forsake you. Loved ones will leave you alone. That is the beauty of the message. So it's weird. Actually, it's supposed to bring people together, but it actually pushes, and it, it is not for the bad reason. Amen. So what we get to know is that time, the first thing is that time is of the essence. The second thing that I want you to know in this particular passage is that opportunities will always present themselves to us as Christians. To be able to reach out, to be able to speak the word of God to someone, opportunities will always lay themselves bare. But are we taking the opportunities? Like I said, we give all kinds of excuses. But I don't know how to talk. I'm shy. And we'll get there. I'm shy. If I say this, if, what if I, if I don't say it right? And so these are the things that are keeping us from sharing the word of God to people who haven't received Christ yet. Amen. 
but we need to move away from that. You see, we need to be clever enough to know when opportunities present themselves. We are so afraid that when a brother or a sister is even in pain or suffering, you are afraid to even share prayer with the person. I was in the bus traveling to Kumasi some time ago, and you know they have stops on the way. So we got to Kumasi, and at the time, I was going to the north actually, and at the time we got to Kumasi, it was the time for Muslims to pray. So the driver stopped for the Muslims in the bus to pray. And the Christians respected that. No one complained. But would you say same even when laying hands on someone who is ill and sharing just a word of prayer with the person? We are so shy and afraid that we let these opportunities go away or slip. Peter and John, you know when they met this guy, the guy, they said, look at us. We don't have anything. What I have is the name of Jesus Christ. And what you have is the name of Jesus Christ and the testimonies of Jesus Christ. That is what you need to share. Don't think you have to study the Bible and know everything in the Bible before you step out to go and share. And this morning, as I ponder on this, I just thought of, I mean, theologians who have slipped out of, I mean, the ways of God because they, they've taken the Jesus aspect or the Christ aspect out and they are looking for other things. And so you find a theologian who said, oh, I don't believe in the word of God anymore. You know, but God is looking for people with simple faith like you and I. Who don't need much. You only need the name of Jesus Christ. To be able to reach out and to be able to impact the world. Amen. So, God has called us as people who are to intervene in messy situations. And yet, we are there. Like I said, time. We are time bound as Christians. As children of God, we need to be quick. Hallelujah. In acting, Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, and it's a popular scripture. How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of him who brings good news. Amen. So you know why it's beautiful indeed. Who proclaim peace. Who bring glad tidings of good things. Who proclaim salvation. Who say to Zion, your God reigns. Amen. He says, how beautiful are the feet, on the, or how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. Those days, they don't sit in the cars that you and I sit in. They walk. So how can you say, how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news? Their legs are dirty. They don't wear shoes like we wear. I mean, the straps, that is what they wear. Hello? The ladies have shoes these days that, I mean, they tie and they tie on their legs, sometimes to the ankle, okay? The shoes they wear, they are not as, let me say, they are not, not as solid as the ones we wear now. And so when the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet, uh, how beautiful on the mountain are those who bring the new good news, it says, how timely, amen. In those days, you find cities with heavy walls around it, and you have people sitting on the walls as watchmen. And they are to blow the alarm when an enemy tries to invade. Amen. And so when this information comes, everybody takes position. The soldiers are alerted and they all pull their tools or weapons of war to face the enemy. If this information doesn't come on time, the enemy will take them by surprise. Amen. And God has called you and I to uh, to be those watchmen sitting on the walls of our nation, of our homes watching constantly to make sure the enemy doesn't invade. So he says, how beautiful are the feet, or on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. Who proclaim peace, who bring glad tidings, or glad tidings of good news, 
who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Amen. A German theologian by name Frank Delicht puts it this way. And I quote, the exclamation that does not refer to the pretty sound of their footsteps, but their feet are as if they were winged. A feet with a wing. That means they were quick because it is a joyful news or a joyful message which they bring. Amen. If you have any news that is good, you run with it. You run with every news that is good. And you, I mean, these days on social media, let anything happen. This, I was at home and my brother Peter sent me a message at your road. I mean, leading to Accra is blocked. I didn't even know until he prompted me that your road is blocked. I lived on the Hebrew Mountains. Those of you who saw pictures of the landslide, so he was wondering, Pastor Gabi, am I, will you be able to come to church? Will you be able to? I said, oh, don't worry. Usually when it happens, they block one side of the road and we access the other. Amen. So I'll be fine. Look at the rate at which news travels. And sometimes these news are not good news. But they travel the fastest. But you and I have the good news of salvation. And yet you are afraid to talk to your friend or your brother about it. Talk about it. What will be, should be. Amen. You will not die. It is the trick of the enemy to make sure that lives are lost. One of the prophets said in his writings that the word of God is burning in his bones like fire. If you have the word of God, you will speak it out. You can't have that good news and sit on it. You will minister it. Amen. And so any good news must be carried with speed. And God wants us to carry his word, his news, the news about his son Jesus Christ with speed and haste. Romans 8, 19. Romans 8, 19. It says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Amen. And I saw a version that I liked, the easy-to-read version. Amen. And this is how the easy-to-read version puts it. Everything that God made is waiting with excitement for the time when God or when he will show the world his children, who his children are. All creation is waiting in excitement for God to show who his children are. And do you think the world doesn't know who the children of God are? The world knows. They know by deeds, by actions. Okay? They know. And so God has revealed us. He's shown us to the world. And yet, we are resisting the unveiling. We are resisting what God wants to do with us. And so all creation is sitting. Because the Bible says that when a soul repents, all heaven rejoices. And so God is waiting for this, this move. They are anxious. They are sitting on edge just to see that one person coming to Christ. For them to blow the trumpets in heaven. All creation, they are sitting in excitement. Waiting for God to show who his real children are. You can't say you are not a child of God. Hello? I know you are a child of God. You know I'm a child of God. And by our actions, the world knows. A lot of things are happening in the world now that is forcing Christians to live in a particular way. And they forced us to a certain point. Okay, very soon, it will be very difficult for us to do the things that we've been called to do. Very, very difficult. Because they've pushed us to a certain point, And they are still pushing. And very soon, if you, you and I don't sit up to live like the way... God has called us to live. And their intention is to make sure the gospel is wiped out completely. Jesus Christ gave a parable of a man who had two sons. 
and instructed them to go and work in the vineyard. In Matthew chapter 21, 28 to 32. I will not read it. And he spoke to the first son. The first son said, I won't go. He spoke to the second son. The son said, I will go. But what happened? The first son who said, I won't go, went. And the one who said, I will, stayed back. Which of these two sons do you relate to? Which of these two sons' bloodline runs through you? Who are you related to? I mean, between these two sons. Amen. What Christ is, or what Jesus wants to tell us that obedience is key. Amen. It is not what we say, but we are known by our actions as Christians. Hello. We are known by what? Our actions as Christians. And in verses, like I said earlier, Peter said, we do not have anything. Silver and gold we do not have. But all that I have is that name called Jesus. And in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Amen. I don't know your conviction about the name. I don't know your conviction. We have something that is so powerful, and yet that power is not exhibited through us. The Bible says, by virtue of what Christ did for us, he was given a name that is above every name. And by the mention of that name, every knee must bow, and every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. So I don't know your conviction about the name Jesus Christ. There's authority in that name. There's power in that name. And you have so much authority and so much power as a child of God that you don't need to sit back anymore. Hello? You don't need to sit back anymore. You see, there's, like I said, that name suits. It brings comfort. It uplifts. It brings joy. And so every situation that you find yourself in as a child of God, out there, by the mention of that name, be a testimony that Jesus Christ wants you to be. Amen. And in verse 7, you know, they did, he didn't just proclaim the word, which is Jesus Christ, but he also did something. The Bible says that he held his hand and lifted up the lame man. Hello? And oftentimes what we do, because we've been commissioned to go and speak the word of God, most of the times we just speak and we don't give a helping hand. Amen. Yeah, but pastor says we should speak the word of God. But in this sense, yes, the word quickened the man. But the man needed some help. The Bible says with that help, he was able to stand up and he began limping and rejoicing. Amen. Sometimes all that you've been equipped as a child of God to do, if with the word of God comes that ability to be able to lift people up. The word of, there's power in the word of God to do that. Sometimes there's a word that you need to send for that will lift the countenance or lift the countenance of a brother or, of, or a sister. Amen. In every situation that you find yourself in, you need to know that as a child of God, you've been given that power to lift those or that situation up. All that someone needs to hear from you is that it's going to be well. Because the situation they find themselves in is so dire that they know know, nothing will come out of it. But with your word, with your word, they are able to stand back again. Amen. And God wants us to be that instrument in reaching out and lifting people up and causing them to rejoice. And you know when they did this, or the Bible says when they, he lifted up the man, the next thing the man did was he started rejoicing. But you know that it didn't stay there, but the man actually followed them to the temple. So you see why sometimes we complain. But the mandate that you've been given, you and I, we are not exercising that mandate. When we go out there and we speak the word of God and we uplift, the next thing is that they follow us. So if I should ask you mildly, who has followed you to church? Amal is pointing someone. <laughs> Amen. Who has followed you to church? Who has followed you to church? 
is because you've done you've not done the first and the second. You need to be that testimony outside so they will follow. But you've not spoken the word that suits You've not given the word that Jesus Christ is the son of God. You've never uplifted anyone in any way because your problems yourselves, they are too many. You haven't dealt with them all. So how do you now take care of someone? What you have is what you give, right? Vic says yes. And so if you are suffering yourself, what do you give out to someone who is not standing strong? But God wants us to be that people who by actions will cause people to follow us. And you know, when they are following you, it means simply that you've made disciples. For someone to follow you, it means a person has seen something in you. And all that Peter said was that all that I have is the name Jesus Christ. All that I have is Jesus Christ. What do you have? This morning, I just want to encourage you that if this man, the lame man, has sat at home and the timing of Peter and John didn't meet his timing, his miracle would have been missed. He would have missed his miracle. But you know, the Bible says that we should prepare in and out of season. And so as a child of God, you are always prepared. And so every situation you meet, you minister to the situation. I mean, don't be, I mean, don't be so afraid in your workplace. You see, there are people who come to you with their marital issues and by the word you spoke into their lives, okay, they will find a reason to want to get close to you. And what that does mean, it means that by wanting to follow me, you follow me to wherever I go. People would want to share. They are so stressed. They want to share with someone. Just share. But when they share with you, what do you also give them back? To make sure that the testimony of Jesus Christ, the name Jesus Christ, is exalted. So they follow the man to the house of God. You see, those who are sitting at the back of the church, they are just like this crippled man. Amen. You know, the Bible says this guy was born like that. And you can imagine someone who ha- hasn't walked before for a very long time. His bones would have been formed in a particular way. And in the same way, people who are out there, their mindsets are formed in a particular way. But you know the power of God, the power in the word of God has the ability to go through, down, uh, through that fort or the fortress that is formed in their mind. The light in that word is able to shine through that darkness. It's able to shine through it. In conclusion, I just want to share this with you. That as children of God, one time is of the essence for us. The clock is ticking. And I'm sure people who are doctors around will tell you that every second or something, someone is dying somewhere. Someone is dying somewhere. But has that person received the word of God? Have you sent something to the person, which is the word of God? Just pick it. The other time, Pastor Gabi shared how fear can be a trap. I fear so much. I'm not well spoken. That is the excuse Moses was giving. I haven't been to Bible school. Who said you need to go to Bible school to be able to share your faith, that which you believe in with someone? Your experience is unique to you. Okay? The things that, and, and it's amazing. God will bring people your way who need the solution from your experience. And so you have no excuse. You have no excuse. What you are going through now is a platform for consoling someone tomorrow. Amen? It's a way of comforting someone tomorrow. You always have something to share. Finally, I want to share this as a testimony and to encourage you to want to reach out even the more in the times that we find ourselves in. Amen. You know, if you can put the picture up for me, Robert, many years ago when I got married, I said many years ago, it's just four years or so. 
He was my best man. He was around 74 years at the time. And you know, he passed on at a certain time in his life. And before he passed on, God showed me something. And what God showed me was this. I dreamt that Robert is ill and it looks like all that Robert was saying to God or was saying to Jesus was was that, you know I love you, but but why do you allow me to go through this? You know I love you, you know, and I know know the heart of Robert. He loves the Lord. Amen. But because, you know, because of his situation, I didn't know he was ill and preparing to go to the States for a surgery. But that is what God showed me. So I woke up and I told Nelly that we need to pray for Robert because I sense he's not too well. And then he told me that he needs to go for a surgery. That was the first part of God preparing my heart for what is to come. And then he went the day before the surgery. He called me and he, Robert knows how to crack you. So I laughed. So we prayed together and then he went, never came back. And it, it was a sad time for me. He assumed I'm his son. I'm his firstborn son. We were that close. You know, but after the barrier and everything, I had a dream again. And in the dream, he saw me. He came to me. But, you know, people who knew him and the way he likes to joke and all that, he, he wasn't doing that anymore. So we spoke. We went to a church meeting somewhere. And he just walked to me when he was leaving. And he hugged me. He has a strong grip, you know. I mean, he gyms at that age. Goes to the gym constantly. So he hugged me and whispered in my ears, heaven is real. And I broke down in tears. I woke up with tears all over my face. I was telling him, this is what I need to hear. This is what I need to hear. It doesn't mean that I don't know that heaven is real. But I believe it's an assurance for you and I that we have a place that we are going. Amen. It doesn't matter when the time will come. We just need to be prepared and make sure that we are sounding the trumpet. Making sure that we are winning people into the kingdom. Hallelujah. I just want to share with you this. That heaven is real. And we don't need to go alone. You know, I became a member of this church by just an invitation. And that is it. At Karma Conference, someone invited me to a love feast. I followed food. And that was it for me. I followed food. And that was it for me. All these years, I've been in healing. Amen. So I just want to encourage you. That sometimes you may not have what it takes to be able to speak to someone. But just invite the person. Let's, can we go to church tomorrow? And even if he have to take you, I mean, driving to the person's place and waiting on him or her to bring him to church, just do it. Amen. You may not have the skill to be able to win people, to convince people, but just by this gesture, you are able to draw people into his kingdom. So I will encourage you, amen, that beauty in this sense means as children of God being prompt. That is what is beautiful about our calling. Amen. And so when I say beautiful indeed, that you and I will assume that place of agency. That is what makes our calling beautiful. It is not the gate. That gate is just, but it was a time. What they were doing there, that made the place beautiful. Amen. So God, I believe, has sent forth his word this morning. And I just want to encourage you with this, that we have a place that we are going. Amen. And it doesn't matter how and when. You see, God opened my eyes to see that death it's just rest for his people. It's rest. And you need to be encouraged and minister to people who are out there. Amen. I want to pray now, Heavenly Father, for all the people who are seated here. For anyone in the name of Jesus with a desire and a passion to preach your word. Who is stuck by reason of fear. I come against that spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. I set your people free in the name of Jesus. 
I pray that Heavenly Father, that unction in the name of Jesus, that causes people to step out in the name of Jesus, will come upon your people. I pray in the name of Jesus. Grant us this grace in the name of Jesus. Grant us this grace. Grant us this grace. Father, we just want to thank you. We just want to thank you. I pray in the name of Jesus that we will take command over environments in the name of Jesus. That the authority you've given us as your children will walk in that authority. I pray in the name of Jesus that we will speak your word irrespective of the situations we find ourselves in. That in our offices we will minister your word in the name of Jesus. Because Lord Jesus we have the good news and we can't keep quiet over the good news. I pray in the name of Jesus that we will be on fire for you once again in the name of Jesus. Thank you Heavenly Father for the breakthrough that you are bringing our way. I pray that Lord Jesus may we in the name of Jesus be also sensitive to the opportunities that are coming around us from today in the name of Jesus. That we will speak your word, we will pray in the name of Jesus for people who come our way, we will not stay quiet in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. God bless you.